Greetings, my name is Danny Malenkov and I am blessed to be able to take the Sabbath School lesson for this week. This is lesson 11, the title Longing for More and I'm really looking forward to this journey. Hope and pray that you have your Bible with you. We're going to be looking at a number of scriptures and I'm going to share a few other thoughts with you that I pray will be a blessing to you. So, without any further ado, let's pray and then we'll dig right in. Father in heaven, we want to thank you and praise you so much for all of your blessings that you give us. And um, Father, we're looking forward to digging into your word once again and hearing from your Holy Spirit speak words of life to us through your precious word. So bless us now as we open your word. Give us open ears and open hearts that we may be willing to receive the message that you have for us for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Just want to yeah begin with the memory text. There's uh, a few passages here that I want to take a look at in our lesson. We're not going to look at everything, of course. We just don't have the time for that. But I just want to take a look at a few key passages that I was blessed with. So I want to begin with the memory verse, which is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 6. And it says, Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Now, the Apostle Paul here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 6, he is speaking of the children of Israel and he's saying that they are an example to us. God has placed within Scripture, not just from Old Testament times and not just from the time of Israel, examples from their journey, but also all the way down through the scriptures, all the way to the end of the writing of the Bible in the book of Revelation. We have examples so that we may have faith, so that we may not be and do as others have done who did not have faith in God. And so we thank God for his word. Because his word is, is eternal, even though our situation today is different as far as what we may experience, because it's a very different world today than it was 2,000 or, or even 3,000 years ago, 3,500 years ago when Moses was the first one to write the scriptures. But the principles, the same. As Solomon once wrote, there is nothing new under the sun. And that is so true. There is nothing new under the sun. And that's the re and the reason is because human nature, human nature, sinful human nature, sadly, has been the same ever since Adam and Eve sinned. We've been infected by this sin virus. And so our tendencies, our, our cultivated tendencies, our hereditary tendencies, the things that we pick up from our parents in our DNA, the things that we pick up from our surrounding society, they shape us and they mold us. And that has been the case for the last 6,000 years. So nothing new under the sun. So I want to take a look at, I want to take a look at a passage that has really spoken to me. And it's in the book of Hebrews. Now, we've been looking at the Sabbath over and over again in different ways. Resting in Christ has been our theme this quarter. And, and the Sabbath has been in a front and center, and as it ought to be. From the very beginning of time, uh, the Bible says God rested on the seventh day. He blessed it. He sanctified it. And he gave it as a precious gift. You could call it a wedding gift to Adam and Eve to enjoy each and every week. And I just thought about that. Not something that I was going to talk about. We celebrate birthdays once a year. We celebrate our anniversary. Those of us who are married, we celebrate our anniversary once a year when we remember. If we remember, I was married on January 1. So I wouldn't forget because I sometimes tend to forget 
some of these all-important things. And uh, to my own detriment, may I add, I remember the time when I forgot my wife's birthday. Oh, that was a disaster. We hadn't even been married for two years. Can you believe it? We hadn't even been married for two years. But it's not entirely my fault. Now, you may be thinking, Danny, how could it not be your fault? What are you talking about? The reason is her birthday happens to be December 23. December 23. That's literally two days before Christmas. I mean, you know, it was just a crazy time of the year. I couldn't, I can't blame Christmas. There was another reason, but anyway, I won't go into it. But let's just say, let's just say that I have learned a valuable lesson. You will never, ever forget your wife's birthday if you forget it once. Trust me, you'll never forget it. Anyway, those of you who are married, I pray that you don't have that same experience. Anyway, where was I going with that? I'm not even sure why I slipped that in. Yes, yes, I know now. I know now. I was sharing with you regarding anniversaries. We celebrate them once a year. We celebrate our birthdays once a year. God gave Adam and Eve the Sabbath day as a wedding present, as a wedding gift to celebrate the union that he had created between the two of them. And I believe, I'll find out one day, but I believe that Adam and Eve celebrated their holy union as God brought them together. I believe they celebrated that every single Sabbath day. Now, how about that? That's a little bonus for you. That wasn't part of the lesson. I'm not sure if it's appeared anywhere this quarter, but why not? Each and every Sabbath day, those of you who are married, why not each and every Sabbath day share with your spouse how blessed you are that they are by your side, that the Lord has brought that person to you and that you are in this lifelong till death do us part union, this blessed union. Why not share with them how blessed you are each and every Sabbath day? Anything wrong with that? No, nothing's wrong with that. Everything is right with that. I think that's better than once a year. I think make something really special regarding marriage each and every Sabbath day. And I think I might take up my own um, advice on that one. I think I may practice that each and every Sabbath day. Just tell my wife how blessed I am uh, that God has brought her into my life. So anyway, that's a little on that. Now, what I want to talk about the rest that we can have in Christ. And I in particular want to focus on this passage in Hebrews. The lesson spends quite a deal of time. In fact, the majority of the time in the book of Hebrews. So I want to take a look at Hebrews. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews towards the back of your Bible. You may be just listening as you're walking or riding or in the car. I hope you can listen carefully as we take a look at this passage. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation because I really like how the New Living Translation puts this passage. So I'm going to begin in verse 1. And I'm going to read all the way through to verse 11. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. Now here the Apostle Paul, who I believe wrote the book of Hebrews, is recounting the experience of the children of Israel. They are the ones that he is referring to who did not experience this rest because of a lack of faith. A lack of faith because they did not listen to God. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, 
In my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. And he's quoting from the book of Psalms, um, which we're going to get to in a little bit. He goes on. Even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. So since the beginning of time, the Apostle Paul is saying this rest was available to man. And I already shared that earlier. And we know the Sabbath rest, that's a symbol of us resting in Christ. It's a symbol that we can put our complete faith and trust in Christ, just as a a baby rests in its mother's arms and is safe and secure, just like my precious little dog. I've got this tiny toy cavoodle that I just love and adore and it loves and adores me. In fact, I can honestly say, I can honestly say now when I get home, so I've got a 24-year-old and a 22-year-old daughter, and I won't say how old my wife is. She's just a little bit younger than me, and I've turned half a century, but I'm not saying how old she is. I can honestly say now, I couldn't say this a number of years ago, but I can honestly say now that when I get home, I know there is someone genuinely happy to see me. Ever since I bought my tiny toy cavoodle, Gracie is her name. Oh, she's just adorable. She is absolutely adorable. So... I'm not sure why I shared that story. That's a bit random. I have been I have been accused of being a little bit organic and a little bit random. So let me get back to the text. He goes on, speaking of this rest that God gave at the very beginning of time at creation. We know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. So that's obviously a, a direct quote from the Ten Commandments, from the Fourth Commandment. But in the other passage, God said, and now he's speaking of Psalms, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news fail to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. And once again, from the book of Psalms, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day or rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. Fascinating passage. So here, the Apostle Paul is reminding us of the children of Israel who did not enter into the rest that God had for them. And he's speaking there in particular of the promised land, the land of Canaan. It was God's plan for the children of Israel to go directly to the land of Canaan from Egypt. It was never, ever part of God's plan for the children of Israel to be wandering in the desert for some 40 years. Never part of God's plan. But because they were stiff-necked, because they did not put their faith and trust in God, because they did not rest in His care and keeping. And that's, now it's just come to me, that's how I got to that story about Gracie as she rests in my arms and she's just safe and secure when she meets some of the big dogs that she barks at. I've got no idea why little dogs 
and this tiny toy cavoodle is the smallest dog on the planet. It's just tiny. It barks at the biggest dogs on the planet. It's just crazy. It puts my life in danger. She's not, she's just not very smart, that poor dog. But anyway, like her owner, not very smart. Anyway, resting in Christ. Sadly, the children of Israel did not put their faith and trust in Christ. And let's never forget that the Bible says that cloud, that rock, that led the children of Israel. That rock was Jesus Christ. Paul speaks of that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Jesus Christ was the one in the pillar of the cloud. Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ, he is the one that gave the Ten Commandments, the covenant of love to the children of Israel. Jesus Christ wanted them to enter into the promised land sooner rather than later. But sadly, because of their unfaithfulness, because of of their lack of trust in Jesus Christ, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Do you know what, my friends? If I have to tell the truth, and I have to tell the truth, I'm a church minister, so the minister needs to tell the truth. The truth is, those of you who are Seventh-day Adventists, and I'm assuming most of you who are listening to this podcast are Seventh-day Adventist Christians. Some of you may not be, and I'm glad you are joining us, and I praise the Lord for that. But Seventh-day Adventist Christians ought to know that the reason why Jesus has not come is not because God has delayed his coming in order to give us that eternal rest, that heavenly rest where there will be no more sin and suffering and sorrow. The reason why the coming has been delayed is because of his stiff-necked people, his, his uh, professed remnant, those who have been called by God to give Earth's final message of love to the world, known as the three angels' messages, it's because we have been stiff-necked, and I'm including myself in that group, we have been stiff-necked, we have not had the faith that we should have in order to enter into the rest, enter into the heavenly Canaan. And we have sadly, since 1844, you do the maths, since 1844, we have been wandering on this sin-sick planet for almost 180 years. I know of at least three occasions, three occasions when God was ready to send Jesus. Jesus was ready to come with all the heavenly angels. They were all ready. Everything was in readiness. Those mansions that Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare, I will come again and take you that you may be where I am. John 14, 1 to 3. The mansions were all ready. They were all prepared. If God could create this world and everything we see in this world and the things we don't see that are no longer in this world, if God could create this world in six 24-hour days, what makes you and I think that Jesus needs a long time in order to build those mansions? We've got rocks in our heads if we think that Jesus needs more than a split second to build the necessary homes in the New Jerusalem for all the redeemed. Anyway, we have, at least on three occasions, shortly after 1844, Jesus was ready to come. But his people, sadly, because of a lack of faith, did not enter into that heavenly rest that God had prepared and planned for them. Then, around the 1888 
period, there was a movement in the United States of America to initiate National Sunday Law. And there was a message in the Adventist Church from two men, Jones and Wagner, on the message of righteousness by faith. And if you're not familiar with that message, I'd encourage you to do a bit of Googling, do a bit of research, maybe get a book or two on the message of righteousness by faith that was shared by Jones and Wagner at a very significant, probably the most one of the, if not the most significant general conference of Seventh-day Adventists. So that's when the world leaders come together to make important decisions on the future of the gospel and moving forward throughout the world. It was there in Minneapolis in the United States of America. And sadly, the Holy Spirit was not poured out because once again, a lack of faith. And in the third time that I'm aware of was in 1901, once again, Another general conference, a very significant general conference in which God had two plans for his church. One was that the church needed to be restructured. It needed to have uh, a structure in place that would aid it in sharing the gospel, the three angels' messages throughout the entire world. The restructuring took place. That was God's first aim and God's first plan. That happened in 1901. And the current, the current administrative model, the current church structure that we have from general conference to division to unions to conferences to missions to local churches and so on and so forth, that comes to us from 1901. But secondly, the second plan that God had for his church that would enable this new structure to, to go throughout the whole world to finish the work that God has entrusted to the Seventh-day Adventist Church was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in latter rain power was that second blessing that God had for his people. But guess what? In 1901, it never happened. And two years later, God gave Ellen White a vision. And, and that vision, you can Google it. It's entitled, What Might Have Been. What Might Have Been. And towards the end of her vision, and I'm just paraphrasing because I don't have the words here in front of me. She, she bemoans the fact she's in deep sorrow as God showed her in vision what could have happened, what might have been as the Holy Spirit was poured out and an incredible revival and reformation took place. And in 1903, two years after that general conference session in 1901, she, she writes along the lines of what might have been and she speaks of her pain and her agony in thinking of where we might have been, where we might have been had a thorough reformation been done at the last general conference in 1901. Where we might have been, she's obviously speaking of the kingdom of God. You know what? It's been 120 years. It's been 120 years since 1901 and Jesus still hasn't arrived. I think of that period 120 years. How long did Noah preach inviting the people to enter into the ark, to enter into the place of safety and rest. The ark was a place of safety, a place of rest. How long did Noah preach? The last time I checked my Bible, there in Genesis chapter 6, I think it's verse 3, he preached for 120 years. And it's interesting what God says, My spirit will not strive forever with man, but 120 years. We have been going 120 years since 1901. I really do believe, my dear friends, with the things that we are seeing taking place before our very eyes, these events that we could not have predicted how they have 
turned out. We could not have predicted. We are seeing Bible prophecy being fulfilled before our very eyes. I really do believe with all my heart that unless God pulls up the handbrake again, unless God pulls up the handbrake again, not because God wants to pull up the handbrake on the coming of Jesus, but because his people are not ready. His people are not ready. Have mercy, perish the thought that God would once again have to pull up the handbrake because his people lack faith, because they are not willing to enter into their heavenly rest. Have mercy on us all, if that be the case. I believe if God does not pull up the handbrake, I really do believe that this train that we are on right now, my dear friends, is only going to pick up speed, is only going to pick up speed. And I just want to encourage you, really want to encourage you to put your faith and trust in Jesus. If ever there was a time when we needed to enter into that blessed rest that Jesus alone can provide, it is now. There is really no better time. There's a few more things I want to share in these next uh, few minutes that we have. I want to go to the three angels' messages. I want to go to the three angels' messages. The three angels' messages are my bread and butter. I just love the three angels' messages. Why? Because it's the everlasting gospel that Jesus said needs to go to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and then the end will come. And in Revelation 14, verse 6, that's exactly what we discover. It's the everlasting gospel. That's how, that's how the message of the three angels begins. I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. We've got three messages there. The first message is in chapter 7. Sorry, in verse 7, I should say, of Revelation 14. The second angel's message is in verse 8 concerning Babylon that has fallen, that has made all the nations drunk with the wine of the wrath of a fornication. Then we have the third angel's message, okay? And, and this is all in the context of worship. And at the very heart of worship is the climax of worship in the experience of a Christian, and that's the Sabbath, when those that have been saved by God's grace have entered into his salvation by his grace. They come together to celebrate and to remember their creator as well as their redeemer. For we rest in the assurance that our Creator has created us in His own image. He loves us with an everlasting love. And that is beyond any shadow of a doubt. Because after He created us 4,000 years later, He came to save us, to redeem us from the curse of sin that we may enter into His rest. And it's fascinating. When you read that third angel's message, we have a warning against those who will worship the beast and his image and receive his mark on their right hand or on their forehead, okay? And it's interesting, you have two groups of people here in verse 11 and verse 12. Here's the first group in verse 11. Notice the language, and I'm reading from the New King James. Speaking of those that, that, that choose not to accept the good news of the gospel, John writes, and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have, notice these words, and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Notice, those who receive the mark of the beast at the end of time do not have any rest. They do not enter into the rest that Jesus provides. But notice, on the other hand, we have in verse 12, a description of those that have chosen to enter into God's rest. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And what's at the very heart? Of God's Ten Commandments. It's his Sabbath 
rest, his Sabbath rest, God's seal that he places upon his end time people as that outward sign that they have given their hearts and lives to Christ and that he is their redeemer, he is their Lord, he is their God, he is their all. And we, we just have to, we have to read Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, and be reminded of this beautiful passage. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's all about Jesus. He is the rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There's that word again for the second time. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My dear friends, Jesus today is inviting each and every one of us to enter into his rest. Jesus has provided that rest. He provided that rest 6,000 years ago. He gave it to Adam and Eve. And the Bible tells us that rest will remain for all eternity. And so when should we enter the rest? We've just read it. God says through his servant David and the Apostle Paul here, he is quoting from the book of Psalms. He's quoting from Psalm chapter 95, where, where God there says, Today, not tomorrow, today, if you will hear my voice, this is God speaking, today if you will hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, it's interesting that word today in Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4 appears no less than four times. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. That's Hebrews chapter 3, verse 8, verse 7 and 8. And again, in verse 14, sorry, in verse 14 or 15? Verse 14, 15, sorry, verse 15. Need to get my eyes checked. Hebrews 3.15, remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And once again, today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. For the third time, there in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 7. And for the final time, and in fact, yeah, for the final time, we have that entering his rest here. I'm just trying to find it, which I am struggling because I'm looking at my New Living Translation and I have it underlined in my New King James Version. But trust me, it is there. It is there. And so we have that encouragement today. If we hear his voice, do not harden your heart. So my dear friends, today I want to invite you. Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart and my heart. It's time to get serious. Every week when I preach there at my church, Hillview Church, I'm sharing with my dear saints, with all my dear brothers and sisters, my friends, I'm sharing. It's time to get serious. It's time to get serious. Jesus is coming soon. He really is. And he's not going to keep waiting. He will not keep waiting. As God said in the days of Noah, my spirit will not strive with man forever. So too, God will not strive with our hard hearts. He wants us to surrender. He's inviting us to surrender. He's inviting us to surrender. And I want to encourage you today as you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And I think of the words of Jesus. They've just come to me. One of my favorite stories in the Gospels. Luke chapter 19 verses 1 to 10. When Jesus met Zacchaeus twice, Jesus says, Today I must stay at your house. Today salvation has come to this home. Today, today. The enemy says tomorrow, today is not a good day, tomorrow will be more convenient, or the next day, or the one after that. No, 
Today, now, is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts today. I want to pray for you, my dear friend. I pray that you will just draw nearer and nearer to Jesus. The closer we come to his coming, the more the storm that is ahead of us continues to unfold. And we have no idea where we are going next. As I speak to you, there are some crazy developments that I am hearing word of that that are in the pipeline when it comes to restrictions, possible restrictions that will be coming even upon gathering in church, you know, things that we could never, ever dream of once upon a time. Wearing a mask in church, having to sign in, keeping your distance, not being able to shake hands. You know what? That's all going to be seen as a picnic in the park compared to what's coming on the horizon and very soon, very soon. So we need to cling to Jesus. If ever there was a time, we needed to rest in Christ. We need to spend more time with him, more time in his word, more time in the spirit of prophecy. In particular, I want to encourage you to read the book, The Great Controversy. Read the book, The Great Controversy by Ellen White. You have to read it. If you don't like reading, listen to it at least. But you have to become familiar with that book. It's a powerful book. It's a book that every single person on planet Earth needs to read, along with the scriptures, in particular, the books of prophecy, Daniel and Revelation. These two books have provided a revival in my life. These two books are the reason why I am who I am and why I preach so passionately about the coming of Jesus, encouraging people to give their hearts and lives to him. And so I want to encourage you, get that book, The Great Controversy, read it, listen to it. You want to be reading it and underlining it. It's just powerful, especially those last chapters. Maybe start off there. You'll be going into the deep end. It'll give you a huge wake-up call. You'll be seeing flashed before you the front pages of the of the news headlines that we are seeing day by day, and you'll realize how close we are to the coming of Jesus. And I say, bring it on, like John. Even so, come Lord Jesus, even so come Lord Jesus. Let's pray and I pray that God will bless you. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for your precious rest. You have invited us to enter into your rest. This rest that you gave to Adam and Eve at the beginning of time when you created this world, you gave it to them as a gift. And as we have read, this rest is to last all the way through to our day and beyond and into eternity. For according to those last couple of verses in Isaiah chapter 66, we are told that from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come and worship before our Savior and our God, our Creator, our Lord, our awesome High Priest. All flesh, all those who are the saved and the redeemed, they will come from one Sabbath to another and enter once again into the rest of the one who said, come unto me, all you who labor, and I will give you rest. May we take this opportunity right now to come to Jesus, who with outstretched, nail-pierced hands is inviting us into his loving embrace. This is my prayer for each and every person. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. And God bless you and thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you this day. God bless and bye for now.